It's nice to see you all. All the new people, welcome. If you're not used to a lady preacher, well, thank you for staying. Please don't leave. <laughs> but you know, this morning during the singing, I felt so impressed by Holy Spirit to tell you, stop looking for the next wave of the Spirit. We are in the next wave of the Spirit. Stop looking. If you're looking, you're in the wrong place. You should be in. Amen? So if that's all you hear today, goodbye, God bless you, let's do baptisms. <laughs> but I'm gonna ask you a question and be honest with yourself, and I'm in this category. How many of you have ever felt or had the feeling, I'm done? I can't do this anymore. I don't know what else to do. I give up. Put your hands up. How many of you have ever been there or are there? If you haven't, rub the person next to you that never has been there and hope that some of that reality. <laughs> Every single one of us have been there, but the good news is we're not alone. Have a look around you. Put your hands up again. Even Jesus. So I want to encourage you this morning. Have you ever been in that in a relationship, in a friendship where you're like, I'm done. I can't do this anymore. In business, school, in a marriage. As a parent, when my kids need disciplining, it's not my child. You need to sort your child out. It's no longer mine. <laughs> I had nothing to do with it. Correct? But when they're good, we brag, oh, that's my child. <laughs> so, good news. And I'm going to take, I'm going to jump into the story, then I'm going to give you a background later. But I want to go to 1 Kings chapter 19, verses 2 to 5. And this is the story of Elijah. When Elijah saw how, many thing, how things were, okay, so how he saw things were, he ran for dear life to, to Bathsheba, far from the south of Judah. He left his young servant there and went on into the, into the desert another day's journey. Doesn't that sound like Jonah? Here's this great man of God running. He came to a lone broom bush and collapsed in its shade. Wanting in, the, sorry, wanting in the worst way to be done with it all, just to die. Enough of this, God. Take my life. I'm ready to join my ancestors in the grave. Exhausted, he fell asleep under the lone broom bush. So you see, you're not alone. Here he is. He's not only saying, I'm done. He's saying, take me, Father, kill me. I'm telling you, I'm not ready to go. I don't know how many of you, when people tell me I can't wait for Jesus to come, I can't wait for him to come, but I've got a lot of living to do. There's a lot of people that need to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ still. So please don't come today, Father. I know lots of unsaved people. All right. So what's happening? With, he, revival's breaking out in the nation, and here Elijah is running from it. And I want to put this quote up. Sometimes faith does not prevent weak moments. I have that there. Weak moments do not prevent strong faith. Sometimes the two must walk side by side. I know that sounds a bit contradictory, but think about that for a minute. Sometimes they have to walk side by side. So we see that the nation where Elijah has been is coming out of drought, but he's running into one. He's running from a natural drought into an inner drought within himself. And this is where some of us are, but nobody else can see it. 
Elijah's courage is collapsing and Elijah's got to a place of this is enough. But I love this because God gets Elijah and that's what I have entitled my message today. He gets Elijah into the designated drop zone. Isn't that amazing? God's goodness in his drop zone. Who knows what a drop zone is? It was so sweet when I asked Lisa to do my um, this one particular slide. She goes, Val, what's a drop zone? <laughs> so we're gonna talk about that drop zone today. You know, in the military, the Air Force pilots, often they do what's called, what do they call it, I wrote it down. They call it the Christmas drop, the operations Christmas drop. And what they do is they collect gifts from the community for the poorest, most impoverished areas where no one goes, where it's almost impossible to go. And they go and they take gifts and they have to get low enough and the people have to know where is the drop zone in order to get the gifts. And they drop gifts for all these kids and for all these people. That's called a drop zone. And I'm telling you, God wants to parachute something in your drop zone today. Amen? So here, Elijah's in the famine and God says to him, even when he's running from God, God says, I will be in your drop zone. I will provide. How did God provide for Elijah? We see that the ravens brought bread and milk every morning and every evening to Elijah. And that's 1 Kings 17.5. He used a widow to supply him with food, 1 Kings 17.7. And that reminds me of my sister and brother-in-law when they were at Christ for the Nations in Dallas, Texas. They were from Zimbabwe at the time at um, Bible school for two years, the Zimbabwe dollar was worth nothing. They were desperate. They had no food and they had one bottle of milk left for their baby. And they got on their knees with their friends also from, that were from South Africa, prayed. And the next thing on the windowsill, they heard this banging. And it was a raven with a $20 bill in its beak. Correct? Drop zone. So when you see a raven... Go check its beak. <laughs> There's lots of them around. And you know, this is the funny part. So my brother-in-law, they needed bread, they needed milk, and they needed something else. So he comes back with bread, milk, Coca-Cola, and Twinkies. <laughs> Don't send a man shopping when he's hungry. The moral of the story. All right, so what can drop a man like Elijah, who has just challenged 850 false prophets, at Mount Carmel, and they've died. That's in 1 Kings 18, 18. There were 450 prophets that were worshiping Baal, and there were 450 prophets that were sitting at the table of Jezebel. That makes 850 when I went to school. And in the presence of God, you have to go and read the story. I don't have time to do it. But he challenges those 850, and it's just Elijah. And Elijah wins. And these 850 get put to death. He's just experienced this miracle and he's running. How many of us do that? Oh, Jesus is so good. God's so wonderful. We get home, get one phone call and your whole life has changed. It happens. What can drop a prophet who is so powerful in word and deed that when he says not a drop of rain will fall until I say so and yet he's miserable and on his knees. I want to tell you, it's another slide, disobedience has consequences, but so does obedience. 
when God tells you to do something and it doesn't look good, you gotta do it anyway. And there will be consequences. It might not be pleasant, it might not be nice. John the Baptist was in prison. But I would rather be, when God called us to America and we had already planted two churches from nothing, I'm not ignorant, I might be blonde, but I'm not stupid. I know what it takes. I was like, you go and I'll join you in two years. But you know what? I would rather be uncomfortable and in his will than comfortable and out of his will. So three reasons why Elijah dropped. And I think you will be able to relate. I can relate to all three. The first one is disappointment. Who has ever been disappointed before? I'm telling you, some of the most disappointed people are not single. Did you get that? (laughs) I thought that would take a while. (laughs) Took you a while. It's true. Because it's only one of you. Lisa, you're not concerned about who puts toothpaste on your brush because there's nobody there to do it. You're not concerned about him dumping the laundry on the floor all the way to the bedroom because there's no one there. He doesn't do that. My husband is one of the tidiest, neatest. I honor him. He's really good. But it's the truth. You know, I mean, and then throw kids in the mix. No disappointment there. None. (laughs) I love my kids. But hang, a parent is only as happy as their unhappiest child. When your kids are miserable, it affects you whether you try and pretend or not, it hits you. You want to slap them six ways and put them on their knees, give them a drop zone. But it's better God gives them a drop zone. So what was Elijah's blueprint? He had a concept of, I've done this, now God must do this. Don't we do that? And God said, no, you've done that, but your blueprint of the result is not the same as my blueprint. So that's where we can be doing something right, but expecting something wrong. And we see that in um, 1 Kings 19 verse 2, Jezebel sends this message to Elijah. And he shouldn't even have listened to her. May the gods strike me, even kill me, if by this time tomorrow I have not killed you, just as you killed them. She's threatening him. How many of you given to threats? Having done all the scripture says, stand. I don't care what this government threatens. I don't care what naysayers threaten. I know the end of the book. We win. Whatever we have to go through, So Elijah runs from the oppressor. Things didn't work out. Let's look at John, because in the scripture, they correlate John and Elijah together. What happened to John the Baptist? He's in prison, and he's gone out. He's preached the gospel. His gospel was one of repentance, turn or burn. So now he's in prison, and he's getting feedback of what's going on out there. But his blueprint is not the same as God's. God's outworking of what John was doing was completely different to what John thought. You don't believe me? The blueprint that Jesus set, that John set was that Jesus was gonna separate the chaff from the wheat and burn it up. 1 John 3, 11 to 12, he thought Jesus was gonna come, 
pass judgment, the good ones, off you go, they're the bad ones, sorry, you get nuked. That's not what he did. What is so he says, this is what he says, he sends word out, um, are you the one or must we expect somebody else? John, look what Jesus says. This is the report, that's, this is God's blueprint. Matthew eleven five. the blind receive sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear and the dead are raised. That's his blueprint, mercy. Old Testament, judgment. New Testament, mercy. Religion, judgment. Christianity, Christ followers, mercy. And then I put this, the slide there, you can be doing right, but expecting wrong. And I've done that so many times where I've done it. You know, when you just know, I've done everything I can do and God's gonna, we moved to America. We gave up a beautiful country, a beautiful church, our family, my mom, I mean everything. We just got the house the way we wanted it. My, our kids, our son couldn't come with us. He was playing cricket in, um, for Ireland and Scotland and our family was dispersed. But we're gonna come here and guess what? This is what's gonna happen. Well, for nine months, I went to Flagler Beach and I cried every day. And I said, if I swim hard enough, I'll end up back in Cape Town, South Africa. <laughs> because it didn't work. I had done everything right, but my blueprint, what is your blueprint? What is your blueprint? How do you think things should work out? It's a good question to ask yourself. Do you know that when I had children, ladies, I'm gonna encourage you, if you haven't had a baby yet, <laughs> what's your blueprint? I was shocked. I was absolutely shocked. For three months, you don't sleep, you don't have a life. You're too thin for your fat clothes. You're too fat for your thin clothes. People will ask you one month, two months after your baby's born, oh, when's your baby due? <laughs> it's not a nice phase. I'm telling you that right now. You get over it, have people to help. Hand the little thing over when it's, I remember my sister saying, I phoned my sister one day. We had two, one on top of each other. For three days of the year, they're the same age. And I remember one day I thought, I'm gonna throw this baby out the window. <laughs> so I phoned, Lifeline. I phoned my sister, Dee. I feel like throwing Daniel out the window. She says, don't worry, my kids are older and I still feel like throwing. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't and I love them. So we gotta get back to the blueprint of God. And what is the blueprint of the God? What is God's blueprint? It's the word of God. I am so tired of hearing people's ideas, thoughts, blurring truth to make it a lie, blurring a lie to make it a truth. The word of God is our standard. Stick to it. I don't care what's politic, politically correct, unpolitically correct, what you like, what you don't like, take it up with him. But I'm sticking to what God's word says. Amen. Amen. Do you know that I've heard people a lot of people, unintentionally, every time. And you know that somebody's blueprint can be so delusional, so delusional. And you know that, oh, I won't go there. How can we expect a teenager in this age to grow up with a healthy view of sexuality when the blueprint of sexuality is so messed up today? Give me a break. 
Anyway, I'll give you an example. I have disappointed people, but it's because their blueprint of me has been delusional, totally delusional. It's based on faulty judgment, mistaken, unrealistic behavior, behavior that is just not true. There was someone that um, was really offended. And Maria came to me, my friend, and she said, I think I've really offended this person. I said, well, I'm sorry. I thought, well, I'll see what I can do to find out and patch this up. So two weeks go by and I come and I go, good news and bad news. Good news is she's not offended by you. Bad news is I've offended her. <laughs> I don't have a clue why. <laughs> so I'll take a bullet for you any day. <laughs> but if you don't know, come talk to me, not about me. I do not glow in the dark, I promise you. Ask my husband. If I hurt you, it is unintentional. I don't get up in the morning thinking, who can I offend today? On the contrary, give people the benefit of the doubt. Never go in attacking because the way you see it, the way I see it, and the way everybody else sees it, there's 50 different stories. So let's find common ground and sort it out properly. The second reason why Elijah dodged, I mean, just dropped to his knees is responsibility. When he said, I've done everything, I'm tired of fighting God. Look, and you know what? That he was writing his suicide note to God. He was negotiating with God. And what does God do? Up until this point, God's provided for Elijah even when Elijah's not where God is. He still provides when he's out of his will. So let's praise God for the provision that we didn't earn. And let's praise God for the mercy we didn't deserve. Amen? 1 Kings 19 verse 6. This is what God does when Elijah says, I want to die. I'm done. I don't want any responsibility anymore, God. What does he do? He says he looked around and he saw some bread baking on hot stones and a jar of water. God's drop zone. Make sure you stay in the drop zone of God. The children of Israel, where was their drop zone? Pillar of fire by night, pillar of cloud by day. As long as they were in that drop zone, they got their manna dropped. They got everything provided for. Take yourself out of the drop zone you're blaming God for, you shifted, he didn't. So stop blaming him. All right, I'll move straight along. So here we see Elijah, he's running from Jezebel's threats, but he's actually running from his responsibility. Rod and I have sometimes done this. Ministry's hard, guys. It's tough. And there've been days where we've gone home and both of us have gone, let's just quit. We had our kids at one stage begging us, all three, they called a family meeting. We have always allowed our children, as long as their attitude's right, they can call a family meeting anytime. And they begged us, please stop doing this. But you know what? It was a good thought. But we knew this is what we're called to do, and it's a privilege and an honor. And then you get up again, and you're like, yay. So you've got to do that in life. The third one. The reason why Elijah, Elijah dropped is opposition. You know what? There are certain battles you don't expect to fight, especially in the body of Christ, especially from Christians, right? Why? Why are church people some of the meanest people in the world? <laughs> we expect it from the world, so you kind of bypass it. See, I've had more meanness done to me in the church than out the church. 
But guess what? We're gonna change that one person at a time, amen? Because I am the only Bible they're gonna read until they start to know him and start reading the word for themselves. Let's be kind and gracious. In 1 Kings 19, 11, this is what God says to him. What are you doing here, Elijah? I mean, like God doesn't know. He's in a cave, he's hiding, he's running, but God's going, what are you doing? It's like when I lose something, my husband goes, where did you last leave it? I'm like, if I knew, I wouldn't be looking. <laughs> I love this man. But God's saying, what are you doing here? It wasn't like, oh, I can't find you. He's just flabbergasted, Elijah, what are you doing here? So Elijah isolates himself from the very people he was called to serve. Don't do that. And do you know what the tactic of the enemy is? Is to isolate you, put you on your own, and then he can lie to you, play with you, like Rod says, like a rat in a science lab. And I wanna, I wanna talk to the people that are watching online. I watched two weeks ago because I was sick and I thank God for online. But if that has become your comfort zone and your norm, get out. You need to get back to church. It's become an isolated, me, myself, and my TV, and nobody's gonna tell me otherwise. Get out of it. And then we have those people tell us, we feel so left out. I'm like, well, you left, I didn't. So that's just get back into fellowship. Stop making excuses. That's where the drop zone is. My drop zone every Sunday morning is here. And I'm telling you, every Sunday I get something. God parachutes something to me. But if you're not here, you're gonna miss it. And I'm not saying this is the only place. I get my drop here so I can go out and make drops there. You gotta stay in, that's at 1 Kings 9 verses 10, he says, I replied, I've been working my heart out for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant. They've torn down your altars and they've put your prophets to death with the sword. I'm the only one left and now they're trying to kill me. How many people, I'm the only one? Well, that's a lie because previously, before he was on the run, he had met up with Obadiah and Obadiah had said, I have taken a hundred of God's prophets and hidden them, divided them in fifties into two caves. So Elijah knew there were still a hundred more, but here he's telling God, I'm the only one. Because that's what the devil does. When you are isolated, he takes you out. Get back into fellowship. Amen? And you'll see that in 1 Kings 18, 13. I want you to put this up, please. Self-pity is the devil's babysitter. Oh, oh, shame, yes, you've done so much and look what they've done to you and shake it off. Go to people around you and tell them, help me with my stinking thinking or help me get out of the stitch. Self is a cruel God, it is never satisfied. So you cannot be run or governed by self. All right, so then in 1 Kings 19.10, the Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord for the Lord is about to pass you by. Here is your drop zone, Elijah. Get out, go, and be at the drop zone. So, he says, well, what, I, I didn't expect to face that enemy. It was the enemy as the enemy, and you're blaming everybody in the outside. Get in the drop zone. The Spirit of God is in this place right now, and he's parachuting it to you. And I wanna show you just, so how many of you know airdrop? What do you have to have if you're gonna have airdrop? 
Connection. Do you have to have an iPhone? Do not, uh, no other phones do it. Do they? Oh, yeah, I learned something. All the iPhone owners, hold, hold your hands up, please. We can do this. But you have to have a connection, don't you? No connection, no drop. Then what have you got to do? I've got to be close. I can't be in Zimbabwe and have an airdrop with Rod here in America. We've got to be close to have an airdrop. It's exactly the same with the drop zone of God. Be connected to him. Get close to him. Be where he is and get every drop that he has for you. I don't want to miss a thing. Telling you, if there's a gift to be given and you don't know where to give it, send it my way. Because if I don't want it, I'll pass it on. Amen? So if you're connected, come out the cave. Stay close to God. Stop running and being in isolation. Do you know that you might not have an airdrop or a drop zone here for you this Sunday, but you might be the drop zone for someone else, and now you're robbing them of what God has for them. So now you're a thief. <laughs> okay. Yep, God's calling us back. God says, go back in verse 15 from where you came. Change your position to receive your provision that is already waiting in the place where you belong. You change it, and God will bring the provision. The greatest opportunity is in the place of your greatest opposition, so face it. And then I wanna to touch on one more thing. If, um, don't be governed by fear. How many of you have heard people lately with a lot of fear tactic, even interpreting the book of Revelations? Now, I, am, I read the book of Revelations, I love the book of Revelations, and I cannot wait for when that trumpet sounds, whether we go up, he comes down, we go sideways, before, after, mid, I don't care as long as I'm with the good ones. Fear. What is the tactic of the enemy? What is the opposite of faith? Fear. You can't have both. So, the fear that we need to teach people is the fear of the Lord, which is reverence, respect, honor, and awe. That's it. Proverbs 29, 25. It says, the fear of man will prove to be a snare, a trap for those who trust in the Lord is kept safe. So if there's, a, if there's the fear of the Lord, you get kept safe. But if you have the fear of man, Proverbs 1, 7, it says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. The fear of the Lord leads to life, Proverbs 19, 23. So we confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What will man do to me? Hebrews 13, 6. If you are one, that is going around in the name of Jesus preaching fear, shame on you. Because the opposite of fear is faith. You are called to go and preach faith, even in the hard times. Yes, we are gonna face hard times, but I am an overcomer. He will never put me through more than I can handle. So if you know, hush these fear mongers. When people come with fear, talk just to this. It's not worth it. You know that I made Jesus my savior when I first got saved out of fear. I made Jesus my Lord second time out of love because God so loved 
not because I didn't want to go to hell. First time it's because I was so jolly scared I was going to go to hell, turn a boy, I'm going I'm to get in that door no matter what. But that was it. He was my savior, he wasn't my Lord. When you accept him out of love, he becomes savior and your Lord. Amen. Amen. One Thessalonians, I'm nearly done. I did well, huh? Yes. One Thessalonians, no, I mean well time-wise, I'm not. <laughs> but thank you. <laughs> one Thessalonians, one ten. Love this. And to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath to come. Delivered us what? From the wrath. So why are you preaching wrath on God's people? There's enough doom and gloom without you adding to it. And we're not stupid. We've read the word. We know what's gonna happen. But I'm gonna walk this life in faith, not in fear. So I like what... um, Adam preached on. So don't worry. Be happy. (laughs) Simple but powerful. And then there's one last thing that I am so excited about and I cannot wait. And that is what gives me the hope to go on. And that is that I'm excited when God does his final airdrop and Jesus returns. That's the final airdrop. And you know, I love what Bill Johnson said at his wife's memorial. You think about it. Is there sorrow in heaven? Does anybody die in heaven? Is there lack in heaven? So therefore, to worship in heaven is quite easy. It's much harder to worship down here. We face death. We face sadness. So now you really can give yourself a pat on the back as, hey, I'm here, I'm making it in this earth as it is in heaven. So I wanna just pray with us. Maria, if you can please just play. I know there's some of you, Rod and I were in a situation two weeks ago where, or actually last week, and it was devastating. (laughs) My heart was crushed. But you know, my drop zone was the first song. Rachel was leading and the song was, you make me brave, you make me brave. And Rod and I looked at each other and we both said, he makes us brave. And we were brave. And God is seeing us through. He's seeing us through. I mean, don't don't feel sorry for us. We're okay, we're fine. We still got to walk certain things through, but... That was my drop zone. If I wasn't here, I know my heart would have shattered. But it sank in my heart. So if you are that person, God makes you brave. He's right there beside you. He never leaves us. We might leave. And you know that the next day, the situation hadn't really changed, but my heart was still. My heart wasn't so sore anymore. And I could see clarity. I could see above rather than below. The scripture says we are seated where? In heavenly places. It's when we're positioned incorrectly that I'm not seated up there that I see it from natural perspective. God gave us a heavenly perspective so I could look down and see, okay, 
This is how it really is. Here's your solution. So if you can just close your eyes, please. And those that have never accepted Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior, that's the first step. I wanna give you that opportunity, whether it's online, whether you're at home or whether you hear this message later. It's a love relationship. We don't have a sin issue anymore. He dealt with that. We have a relationship issue. He wants to restore relationship with you. So if you can just all pray as we do, this is what Coastal does. Father, I thank you today that Jesus Christ is my Lord and my Savior, that I can trust in you. I can depend on you. I can rely on you and that you love me no matter what. Yeah, so Father, we just surrender ourselves to you this morning. Father, we're not gonna quit. We're not gonna give up. We know we live in a real world, but you are the one that makes us strong. You are the one that makes us brave. We can rest in you. Father, you see the beginning from the end. And while everyone's eyes closed, I just want whoever it is, I know there's one person where you just feel, my heart is broken. I've really struggled. If that's you, while everyone's eyes are closed, if you can just put your hand up. God is with you. He's putting his arms around you. And he's saying, you don't have to fight this battle. I'll fight it for you. Just put your trust in him. Lean close to his chest and watch him do it. So I thank you, Father, for your goodness. I thank you for all your drop zone opportunities. In Jesus' name.